Hello and welcome to the Face Downs, your source for anything TCG related and Yu-Gi-Oh news. My name is Ruben and I am hosting with a very special guest tonight. My name is Dino once oh. again. All right, welcome back. Dino, returning guest, how are you doing? I'm doing really good right now. All right, so we are let's let's you know, let's break the news. Let's uh let's let the people know. We are riding a very incredible high right now because what would we achieve yesterday? Uh we won uh Auckland's 3v3 Hell at Dice Goblin. Yes, yep. So we were undefeated in Swiss of four rounds, and then we took the semis and finals. Uh, so this was incredible. Uh, this is my, I'd say, this is my second 3v3 experience. Um, the first one, not so good. I'm not going to lie. Let's not try learn a deck uh, two days before uh, the an event. Um, however, Dino, this is a bit of a special occasion for you in terms of 3v3 successes. Yeah, Getting the hat trick of 3v3s is real nice. So, so, so that's three consecutive 3v3 wins. Now, what would you say as an experienced 3v3 player is kind of the, a really like a defining factor in being able to succeed in this kind of environment? Uh, get carried by the A player, the C player. Which one was undefeated today? Oh, so yesterday. yesterday, funny enough, uh, not on the microphone, but in the room with us is Lucas. Oh, coming in for hey, the microphone. <laughs> so, uh, our personal records for the 3v3, uh, so out of six rounds of uh, playing, uh, I was X3, so I had the worst record. Um, Dino was X1, dropping only one match in round two. And Lucas, in six rounds, was undefeated. So, A player winning every round. Do you think that's quite common? Uh, usually, there's one player that just goes above and beyond and just cleans up every single round and do you think that's like a tactical decision or do you honestly think that's just it is a, it's just down to seating well it's i don't think it's down to anything it's just there's always that like one player at like a regional or ycs that's just like on fire and just absolutely just draws gas every single time it almost feels like it's like their day and nothing is getting in the way yeah i love that it was amazing environment uh i would like to shout out dice goblin i'd never been personally before to the venue um it looked amazing it was definitely quite spacious um i mean i could even see some of the other rooms were set up if we were going to be having more teams as well um, so it ended up being, I believe it was 14 teams. Uh, so that equated to, like I said, four rounds of Swiss and then a semi-final and a final. Um, I do have a little breakdown written with me based on what we versed and how that fared. Um, so we will shout out all the teams as well that we faced. Uh, so getting into it. So Sunday, uh, rainy day. So perfect day to be playing cards inside all day. Uh, so round one, we were against Team Filthy Casuals. Now this consisted of... James Nicholson, I believe it's Liam Herbert, is that? Yeah. And uh, Louis, who is one of our card merchant Henderson locals. So this was a team they were playing uh, Heroes, Toons, and Zombies. Now, I had the misfortune of playing Zombies, um, but you were against Toons, was it? Yes. Yep. And so what was the deck you were piloting? So we probably should have gone over the decks we were piloting <laughs> a little earlier, but I was back on my all-time favorite deck, Dinosaurs. Uh, now, this was an interesting build of Dinosaur, I'm not going to lie. It was a wee bit different. I believe lists will be going up v relatively shortly on your move TCG. But do you want to explain to us kind of how you piloted Dino and what your tech decisions were? So, the problem with Dinosaur in this current format is it loses on the spot to Alancia unless you have Lost World. So, my whole plan was to incorporate Dinosaur Colasat, which is a level 2 tuna dinosaur that summons itself if you control no monsters. And... Use that to go into a 
Halki Fibrax and Aurora Online that ended on a Savage and a Herald of the Arclight to mm. through Alancia, so I didn't have to deal with that. Yes, and to be honest, I think that you know the Aurora Online's still exist. I think a lot of people got complacent once Linkross went, um, just because you know it was less uh, accessible and less free. Um, however, I feel like that wasn't a concern of yours. Yeah. So the downside is without Linkross, it's a little less consistent and you don't draw the extra one or two cards but when you're playing on the prosperity half the time it doesn't really matter mm. and would you say that prosperity is kind of like dino's newest play piece i will say also before we even go further uh, this was a tournament where lightning overdrive was not legal because we do not have it so we are playing pre-diviner pre-scrap raptor which i think heavily impacted deck building decisions yeah up until like two or three days before the event everyone thought we would have lightning overdrive absolutely so it was a scramble for everyone to kind go of back re- to their old deck reconfigure almost um so how would you say that prosperity fared because obviously you said you've played dino since its inception back in the maximum crisis days how would you say the incorporation of prosperity has been uh so based on all the pots that you could run dinosaurs desire sucks Mm-hmm. Extravagance is really good, but when you're running like a really tight synchro package in the extra deck, it's not really an option anymore. Mm-hmm. So you want to dig as much as possible. So Prosperity was honestly insane every time I draw it. Yeah, because also the it's insane on the matter that you can also activate it after the battle phase. So you can just hit them for a metric ton of damage, not kill them and find one piece to keep going. And then you go, oh, well, half damage for the rest of the turn. That and usually... People like to hold Lancia until the last second, so you can always get off in dinosaurs. I was I was always thinking that people would like shotgun Lancia, Lancia during stammer phase to play around tactics, but not many people can afford tactics in the country. And <laughs> All prosperities for that matter. And Hello. there's not many playsets of it, just in general. So nobody cared about stammer phase Lancia because they feared the gamma, and then when you drop a misc in the graveyard, they Lancia and they get hit by a gamma. Mm. Which is crazy. Um, I think that, yeah, Prosperity was a huge upgrade. And obviously, I, you personally are very excited to see how Scrap Raptor incorporates the deck going forward. Obviously, we've got a little less time to play with it based on the delay to New Zealand. Um, but I overall believe that your Dino list was unique. Uh, it was different. And then uh, you also ticked in Survival's End. I mean, how did that go? Uh, I wish I could say it was amazing on the day but i did not draw it or see it a single time even off for prosperity so i don't know and testing it came up it definitely came up we were testing against each other and that definitely came up because obviously the beauty of the aurora online is you leave yourself with normal monsters so you are able to destroy more than one or two to really benefit off of the survival's end effect and then not to mention obviously you know the destruction protection of or the destruction effect of survival's end and grave does just give it a really nice versatile effect yeah. Um, so I was on Prank Kids. Uh, obviously, this is a deck that people know and love. Uh, the introduction of Meow Meow Moo in Phantom Rage absolutely uh, put this deck on the map. Uh, the biggest problem with Prank Kids when this when it came out from Hidden Summoners was the fact that you needed two cards to start. And a Link 1... Uh, I mean, we can all kind of attest the fact that Link 1s are broken. Uh, nearly every one of them is ridiculous. And... 
I think the introduction of Miami Amu really not only helped give the deck a competitive edge, but also meant that the inboard threats were more threatening. Um, its ability to substitute a tribute effect on your opponent's turn uh, turned Butler from one Raigeki to two, uh, but also it meant that you could weather washer and bring back your links with while still maintaining a monster on board. So you weren't, you know, you couldn't just not be dead on board. Um, I think personally, I don't really have any tech choices. Main decking, uh, there can be only one in Ice Dragon's Prison are pretty standard practice in the deck. Obviously, there can be only one is not a problem in Prank Kids whatsoever. Uh, all the different attributes are really easy to mitigate. Not to mention that turn three, you have a really easy access to the Nightmare Package, uh, which obviously in tandem leads to access code. But I will say the, uh, the one tech choice that I really think stood out only came up once was uh, having a single uh, Divine Sky Arsenal double A Zeus uh, in the extra deck for exactly a main deck triple tactics talent to take XYZs. Now, this is something we've seen in the OCG quite a bit. What were your thoughts on the idea for that to be an incorporation into the deck? So when one of our friends asked us to build Prankets for them, uh, it was one of the options for their extra deck and it came up during that locals that it happened <laughs> multiple times and we're like you know this is actually kind of good so it ended up being the 15th card in the extra deck it was either that or a roaster roaster yeah and i don't think roaster would have come up a single time no uh, personally based on what played out throughout the day i definitely don't think so i will say that the tactics we actually saw an ocg because obviously uh, prank kid's largest weakness and you obviously will agree with this is having your normal summon interrupted whether that be a destruction effect that be a torrential or uh, for in the case of tactics a dryden pop so obviously the incorporation of tactics is uh, a really good way to mitigate that loss and i think that uh you know zeus is a powerhouse of a card i mean we've all seen that coming out of phantom rage the ability it has in pure zoo as well as any deck that can just make rank force i mean you were even talking about it with dinosaurs uh, in a particular matchup if you just have an xyz and you're facing an opponent with a dolka if you bait a single dolka activation or a uct flip that xyz just turns to a zeus yeah traditionally in dinosaur boards you don't have a spell trap negate yeah, it doesn't seem like the most common end, end board. Um, and then finally, we had Lucas uh, on the obviously, uh, definitely the highlight deck of the day, uh, Undefeated Tri-Brigade. Um, this is an incredible deck. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I'm a huge fan of one card starters, and that is what this deck is. I think that, uh, you know, the attributes that the deck incorporates are attributes and typings that the deck incorporates are really unique um obviously we saw kit uh coming out in lightning uh, blazing vortex was a really incredible addition to the deck um and this card's a super rare what did you think of that it being such an easy rarity uh so i didn't think tribe was much of a deck back at the time uh just because everyone knows some more statuing people which isn't too threatening uh, until people started just saying, hey, this is a one-card engine that isn't really a normal summon. Hey, Zoo, also a one-card engine that mm. uses a normal summon. Hey, they're all beast warriors, beasts, and wing beasts. Yeah, I think, you know, Tenki is an incredible starter. It's a plus one. Uh, not to mention that in the to Tri-Brigade, you either search Fractal or a Zoo. Um, 
Fractal itself is a one is a one point five card starter, provided you have a beast beast warrior wing beast to discard off a caress. Um, and you know, multiple times we saw throughout the day, and even in testing, it is just banished to summon Shireg, Link and find your starter. And the normal summon was legitimately saved for a Zodiac or another Tri Brigade, which is ridiculous. Like <laughs> the whole point of Zodiac is it's like the one you have to commit to for your entire plays. Um, and then we saw in the versatility of the Zodiac engine, it could either convert into a large material Dryden, which could then carry to a Zeus during the next turn, or the materials were just there for an Appaloosa. And what are your thoughts on Appaloosa in this current meta? Uh, right now, with nobody being on Valor or Impermanence until Lightning Overdrive hits, it's such an oppressive card. Mm. I just think that it, it, it's kind of it does a wee bit of a dance in and out of the format. Obviously, really effective against uh, you know previous decks like Virtual World, um, and decks being able to summon it really easily is I think probably the scariest part about it having little to no commitment to your engine or uh, making it work to put out an Appaloosa is quite threatening um, and then obviously uh, the standout card for Tri Brigade and honestly what's made it the most impactful deck is Revolt uh, I never played with Soul Charge Legal how do you feel about an archetypal Soul Charge that immediately Link summons thank god it's a trap <laughs> I, what do you think? Like it's better as a trap. It would be worse if it was a spell. 100%. Because how... You were around when Soul Charge was there. What was that like during the format? You just could not break boards. This is before... This is the time before Dark Rule No More, Forbidden Droplets, Nibiru, and just hand traps that ended turns didn't really exist unless you're playing against exactly Spiral and had exactly Reaper. And that's crazy. And to me, like, okay, it's once per turn. That's fine. It's interactive. Uh, the ability to chain block, because they all summon and get sent to grave, which procs all your tri brigades, by the way. Um, and being able to protect your either your searches or your uh, dumps or your banish, and really particular off Shireg, is really impactful. Um, and not to mention that it doesn't have to summon tri brigade monsters, which is why the Zodiac engine is the most beautiful incorporation because all those Zodiac Xyz are summoned properly. So if they are banished, they can just come and back, come on back and make pop into a charade. Um, we saw Lucas taking in quite a bit of back row. Uh, what are your thoughts on like what some of the most impactful back row going forward this format or obviously on the cusp? The sure. You want to come and talk about your traps? I'll come and talk about the... Come and talk about the list, Lucas. First of all, follow us Twitter uh, at the face down so we can afford a third microphone. <laughs> we need sponsors. Konami, please. Um, so yeah, I played the undefeated Tri Brigade deck. It was fairly standard. It was kind of ripped from Vlad's list, uh, which took down the remote dual extravaganza in... God, where does Vlad live? Europe somewhere? Yeah. Some weird European country like Sweden. And um, I kind of liked the premise because I was playing the, the Samorg statue stuff and i was like this deck sucks i'm not going to bling it out like uh, this is fun to play at locals and that's it and i always thought zodiac was busted in it because one of my favorite interactions in the deck that came up a lot was ferajit just cheating out a zodiac you know often zodiac is associated with a normal summon and making it your special is just hilarious um but the main traps are revolt obviously which becomes searchable strike solemn strike uh, torrential tribute and ice dragon's prison i ran these because these are like the good trap cards that's it. They are the good trap cards. And if you're not playing them, you're playing Needle Ceiling, uh, which I probably would have maybe thought about playing some of if I owned any, but I don't. And um, 
I think the other tech options that we put in, I was a big fan of Unending Nightmare in the side deck. Uh, it came up exactly once against Mystic Mine and it did its job. Um, and for the most part, I think the deck excelled at not dying and then killing, right? Like, like where Prank Kids is really good at not dying, I think Tri-Brigade is like equally as good at just like, okay, you didn't kill me. All right, uh, Normal Summon, Link 3, Access Code. Do you have anything? Cool, I'll just, you know. They need exactly like strike or, or like a I don't know, <laughs> torrential. Like what? What can you even do to an access code? You can't do anything, right? Not when you don't have a cyberus and grave. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, ice dragons, which I'm not summoning. I guess Almirage is the only yeah uh, weakness there. And yeah, the deck's really lenient to just like misplaying. <laughs> like I made a bunch of like bad searches. Like I was in the finals and I searched um, Kit instead of Keras, so I couldn't extend. And I just sat back and I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna lose. Like, I have Torrential Strike set. Like, I can just... I'll just wait. <laughs> and I did. And then I won. So, it was it was very fair to me. Or not fair. It was very unfair that I was able to just, like, kind of make some misplays and the deck carried me. But I also think, you know, it kind of rewards you for being a good back row player. Uh, not just, like, wasting Torrential on a normal summon. Things like that. Yeah, it is really apparent. Uh, watching... Players play against back row that no combo very well and just lab combo decks. Yeah, totally. There's a big difference between being able to play through back row and just playing into it. Yeah, because it will get to. I won't be able to talk about all my matchups, but in round four, I was up against Naibo, who's like one of the better combo players to have ever lived in New Zealand, and and the man like just read me like a book, right? Like I think game one, I set three, and he's like, "All right, I got to play around Ice Dragons." I was just like, "God damn, this man!" Like, you know, he always knows what he has to play around, and I think that's the sign of a good combo player. Um, but this deck just eight control decks alive. That's my thing. I think this deck has a rough combo matchup if the combo player can just like play around a single torrential, but it just eats control because they don't really know what to stop. And honestly, half the time there's no good answer. Like. You know, you can interrupt the Tri-Brigade lines and then I just normal a zoo and they're like, oh, what the... I will say, I only made like one Zeus all day. It was more like the, the nuclear threat of zoo over the actual doing anythingness of it. Anyway, that's me. I'm tagging out. Ruben, come back in. All right, I'm back. It's a long break, sorry. Um, so I guess we'll probably get to the round by round. Um, so we had a little quick touch on it. Uh... So round one, uh, Team Filthy Casuals, we had Heroes, Toons, and Zombie World, or Zombies, basically. Um, how did you find round one? Um, I opened Lost World over Raptor and I won. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, no more said. Uh, Lucas managed to win this against uh, Louis because uh, I, Lucas has been playing Heroes since we got back into Yu-Gi-Oh! So it's very easy to understand how to break that. And um, I can't beat Zombie World Rivalry and Prank Kids unsighted or sighted, it seemed like. So, you know what? I'll just drink that pickle juice. Uh, it was round one, and I very promptly saw Dino and Lucas take the two matches. I went, well, we're all good, gal. Yeah, we'll the keep round, going. The round was over in 10 minutes for us. Yeah, I was not in 10 minutes. All right. So, round two, uh, we were against Team BDE. So, this was the Hamilton, one of the Hamilton teams. Um, so, this was Ricky Campbell, uh, Ross Hitchens and and Tyna I cannot pronounce his last name <laughs> and Tyna so this is a Hamilton I, and Matter Matter I believe that's what I'm 
Is it Matter Matter? Is that what Ricky? Yes. Yeah. So Ricky does Matter Matter and then Ross and Tyna are from Hamilton. So uh, Lucas was versing dinosaurs. Uh, you were versing Ross on PK and I was against Ricky on Zulich. How did you find this one? This was very interesting, this round. Ross did not summon a single PK monster. I lost to hard-drawn Red Eyes Fusion and a lot of hand traps and fog blades. Mm, which is hilarious because obviously we are, I was, so I was player C, Lu, uh, Dino was B and Lucas was A and I was just watching Dino, watch Ross just activate, a hard activate Red Eyes Fusion. I went, well, well, mm, yeah, it's, it is what it is. A top deck re- uh, start with a Red Eyes Fusion is really impactful. Um, I would say my match against Ricky was really interesting. Uh, I lost die roll and as a result lost game one because prank kids cannot play through uh, your normal summon getting interrupted, let alone a Zeus sending everything. Uh, game two, uh, this is probably my favorite match win uh, because I managed to get him down to 1,200 life points and as first action, Ricky activated Eldland effect to pay 800 so dropping him to 400 life points and i said great resolution of search fusion summon using a lamp season chain block by place to burn for game and he went i probably could have stopped that and i went yeah but i burned you for game so that's it and then game three uh favorite thing of the entire day uh i went second uh he ended it was dryden i my turn to just summon something that got popped i went no that's fine uh, he attacked, made a Zeus and passed with a setback row. Um, and then I went uh, summon Link and then he or summon uh, Link and then I activated the effect of it engrave and he ashed it. And I went great tactics to take control. Uh, and that previous turn I'd said a reboot and Ricky had read it was a strike. So his mentality was to summon out an Eldritch and then chain Zeus to uh, put a monster on board before he sends everything. Um, so obviously I would no longer be taking, I would be taking either an Eldritch or a Zeus as opposed to, uh, just the Zeus. Um, but unfortunately my setback row was a reboot. So when he chained the Sanguine, I activated reboot and set it back down. And obviously he didn't have the reboot from hand. So sure. He got it to set any, um, back row he wanted, but I then took a Zeus attacked for 4,000. And then I put the own Zeus, my own Zeus back on top of it. So I didn't have to give it back. And that was pretty, pretty game winning. I would say, um, Taking somebody else's Zeus and using it against them, which is honestly, as a Zulich, as a as a Zulich player, the worst feeling is having your back row just constantly be sent. Uh, it's not a good feeling. Um, so it was really fun. That was a really, really great match. And then Lucas managed to beat uh, Dinosaurs going forward. A really interesting plays. You were definitely helping through that one. Yeah, so my match was over pretty quickly. So I caught <laughs> most of Lucas's match. So I believe game one, Dinosaurs went first. And they ended on... Uh, oh, they went second? Uh, I don't... I remember seeing a Dragoon Conductor and something else on their board. Oh, that was game two. Oh, that was game two? Yeah. And then Lucas played through it all with his engine. And then when he was about to, like, end the game, he got nibbed. Yeah. Which is just rough. And then... Mm. Game three was uh, activate <laughs> activate Mystic Mine, set one once a pass from the dinosaur player, and that's pretty straightforward. Normal summon zoo, make Dryden, pop the mine, <laughs> full combo, attack for game. Yeah, uh, mine's not a threat in Tri Brigade. Uh, and it's, uh, honestly, it was, a deci- it was a consideration that we all had going forward, um, just because, uh, I mean, I play a field spell, Dinosaurs have a field spell and Lucas uh, teched in Unending Nightmares. So you 
could very easily, we all had outs to mine if we were to activate it. Um, it's a really impactful card. Yes, people are going to complain it's broken and needs to be stopped. I think it's a really impactful build around. Uh, I'm not going to say mine won me any games at all. Uh, it definitely helped build, but it wasn't a concern of mine and wasn't like the winning factor. Um, I think I probably saw it like twice. Yeah, I had my terraformings negated nine times out of ten because people fed mine from the dinosaur player, but I was just not on it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible in Dinosaur. And it's really incredible in Prank Kids as well because, again, the whole engine is one card. So you're always going to be one monster, two monsters, one monster effect, two monsters, one monster effect. So you very easily can mitigate the mine loss and then not to mention you have field spells yourself. So Mystic Mine, a really effective card. Round three, uh, this was against Team Good at Yu-Gi-Oh! Or Gay for short. Um, so we had Corey on Zoo, pure Zodiac. We had Kyle on Prank Kids and David on uh, Goki, or like kind of warrior good stuff. Uh, Lucas was versing pure Zoo. Um, you, Dino, were against Prank Kids, which is very interesting because obviously we tested that matchup quite extensively. And then I was versing David on Goki's. How did you find Prank Kids? <laughs> uh, he drew hot garbage and i drew cracked yeah so i believe that and i won the die roll oh yeah well that does help so <laughs> so when the prankers player doesn't have any good trap set dinosaur just walks away with it a conductor just eats prankers for breakfast like through any board set it will kill and yeah that's kind of what happened yeah, I mean, Conductor, just so powerful. Once again, like I said, Bit Prank, its biggest concern is having your normal summon interrupted or anything in terms of, you know, your starter being interrupted. So it's really important to see kind of those one-offs like Instant Fusion, like one for one, just so you can kind of prompt those threats more frequently, like prompt out the interaction faster. I definitely found that in testing against you, it was like you just don't want to normal summon because once you commit to a normal summon, Dinosaur just book it and it's not a problem. Um, I was against Goki. I opened hot garbage, winning the die roll, and just lost to Codebreaker OTK. Uh, game two, could not play through Double Butler. And game three, I flipped Tickaboo, and his whole deck is all Warriors. So I do well on that one. And Ash and Azold is still pretty good. And Ashing Azold is still good. You know what? I thought Infernobles were gone, but you know what? Ash Azold still effective. And then Lucas was against Zoo. Uh, Torrential pretty much chomps pure for breakfast because you have no recovery. Um, and also Shireg non-targeting Banish, really good against Scary Back Row. <laughs> also, before the match, we're 100% sure that he was on Eldritch Zoo. So Lucas put in Unending Nightmares and then just didn't see any Eldritch cards from his opponent. Which was so interesting. I, I was surprised to see Pure Zodiac. Like, it's a deck that has popped up and, you know, it is still quite effective. I just, as someone who played the deck for a wee bit, and I think you can probably agree with this, uh, you'll even know from Maximum Crisis times, Zoo can't kill. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, ceiling is like 5,800 damage or something. Yeah, and that's not lethal. That's not 8,000. Um, and I would love to see 8,000 damage on a Zoo engine, which is why Eldritch kind of helps mitigate that. Gives it a bit more legs, as we so said. So, at this point, we're undefeated going into round four, which is the last round of Swiss. Guaranteed top four. Feeling pretty good. So, uh, final round was against uh, Team Sorry Liam Gill, but Wilson Best Admin. So, this consisted of Naibo, Marshall, and Wilson. And, uh, well, this team was all Dragon Link. What are your thoughts on this strategy? Well, uh, it's honestly a really good one because Dragon Link is one of those decks that if you draw wild, you win the game no matter what. Mm. And... 
all three of the players were incredible parts of the decks. A hundred percent. Obviously, we know Naibo is very competent. Marshall has been playing this deck for, I believe, quite a while. Plus, Marshall was on my team for the previous 3v3, which we won. Mm. And he's definitely shown his legs when it comes to combo. And Wilson, uh, we have had very extensive conversations. He has worked out a lot and basically nearly every combo line within uh, Dragonlink. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's one of... Dragonlink, I would say, is kind of the biggest test of a combo decks, of a combo player's skill. Because you really have to analyze your entire hand and find your most optimal lines through interruption. Because, of course, people are going to stop you. Yeah, so I remember you picked up the deck for a while and you just could not for the no. life of you click with it. It was not for me. Uh, I mean, I love one card starters, Prank Kids a la Zulich. Um, so, but I think that it's something that maybe if I dedicated a bit more time to, you can learn it a bit better. But, and the incredible thing about these three opponents is that they'd all put in the hours. Maybe not Naibo. However, he's just a really good duelist. So he's one of those people you can hand decks to and kind of go, have fun. And he just will. <laughs> Yeah, so most people, you'd play something random against them, they'd probably lose because they don't know what your cards do. Naibo, he reads one of your cards, understands your entire deck and strategy, and you just lose to him. Mm -hmm. So how was your... So you were against Marshall. Yeah, uh, so... How was that? This was the first time I'd actually versed Marshall ever at a competitive event. Oh my goodness. Uh, which is so unlikely with the amount of topping we both do in New Zealand. So I won the die roll. Very I impactful. Get ashed on my misc, and the rest of my hand is hot garbage. So I end on a conductor pass, and he normal summons a safer in the middle zone. I shotgun to I shotgun my conductor to flip it. He looks at me like, "Why would you shotgun that?" Looks down, it's in the middle zone. Curses himself, <laughs> and then proceeds to OTK me anyway, going mm -hmm. into Borrow Sword, Hot Red, and. Uh, Chaos Dragon. Uh, game two, we have the most intense back and forth game. It went like six turns deep, which for Dinosaur and Dragon Link is like unheard of. Yeah. We went through our entire main deck engines and extra deck. <laughs> They're both completely empty by the end. And the game ended with me using my Aurodon to bait an Apnegate. Uh, a normal summon Colasat with some Aurodon tokens on field. He had to bounce the sphere, so I didn't go into a eight, level 8 synchro because he had no clue I was running. Uh, then I went to battle phase to beat over his Apollo. He bounces the Aurodon. I still have three Aurodon tokens on main phase too. I make another Aurodon. Thank you. Chomps another negate. Now I don't have any monsters in my field apart from the Aurodon, so I can summon the Pankratops that's been stranded in my hand. And proceed to Aurodon effect, then that gets negated by the app, chain Pankratops effect, chain Savage to negate that, and then chain the Gamma that got off Prosperity the first turn <laughs> that he knew about and just forgot about during, because of the length of the game, uh, which gave me a Borrowed Savage and protected think... my Miscellaneous Engrave, so it allowed me to get to a Conductor and just close out the game from there. Well, and also Pankratops being able to destroy the Appaloosa is really impactful there. Oh, like, Pankratops was destroying the Savage. Oh, perfect. The Appaloosa too. was already out of the gates. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So Pankratops being able to clear bodies. Uh, I mean, the cards that won for a reason. Uh, I don't think it ever came up, but did you ever tribute, tribute Keyless at for Pankratops effect? 
Uh, it did not come up. Oh, in the event, sadly. so unfortunate. However, that is so funny. Um, yeah, Pancratops is an incredible one-off. Uh, obviously, in Dinosaur, it is even better. Um, and I think that it does, you know, it, it still shows its merit to this day. Uh, to think that that card was a Soul Fusion common is beyond my level of comprehension. And the card was at three. Yeah, for like a year nearly. Um, and so I was versing Wilson, uh, the very good player. I've, I've played Wilson uh, quite a bit. Uh, game one, I don't have enough. And I, oh, I have enough to Butler twice. However, he had, he chaos spaced searching and then goes into spheres and then i have like i butler there he has the bro tour to come out on destruction because it's cracked and then i butler again to prevent the extension and then i see a quick launch from hand and i basically know that it's over um game two i went first and Managed to get a decent board. I think I wash it on my own turn. No, I didn't wash on my own turn. I ended on like a, a number of bodies with a bow wow and then two setback row. Uh, classic prank kids, standby phase, lose to twin. However, he got greedy and couldn't OTK me. And I realized this when he ended on a board of, he was he was going to battle phase with Levy, uh, with Levy, chaos ruler and borrow sword and i went okay you are going to attack he went to attack the prank kids first which in my mind was definitely incorrect you absolutely attack the bow wow first because you it's the only one that can leave the leave the board um but he goes attack a prank kid attack a prank kid and then i go at resolution of the of this damage before you declare your next attack i bounce i tribute my bow wow away and then add two back. And this prevented him from being able to attack with Borrel Sword for lethal. He had to Borrel Sword switch his Chaos Ruler, Borrel Sword. And I was at 9,000 life points. So I only dropped to 3,000. So I missed lethal. Um, then it was a decent back and forth. We were going into time. And at that point, I had seen Lucas and uh, Dino win their matches. So I wasn't too concerned. I was like, this is kind of just playing out for funsies now. Um and then I, in time, I did lose that round, but I think it was a really interesting line of thought where I, I, I just could have died that turn. <laughs> like, I absolutely could have lost that battle phase, and I probably should have, um, but it was just really interesting, the sequencing of attacks and me being able to capitalize on that. And I think that's probably one of the most, like, one of the things that people don't understand about prank kids is which monsters tribute when and for what effects. And I think, you know, I always tell people, like, cards there for you to read. You can just read it. I don't have to explain this to you. Um, and so that misplay actually put me into another turn and I managed to uh, do a decent amount of damage in that. And I was impressed. I, at that point, I was really confident that we had won Swiss. Um, but Wilson's a great opponent and I always have fun playing him. So here we are, top four. Uh, uh, well, Lucas's game. Against, oh. A match against Naibo. How was that? Did you Were you watching that a week ago? Uh, I saw some traps go off. I saw a absolutely ginormous Nibiru token in Naibo's field. Mm. I think it was a Nibiru for five or six. And uh, trap cards are good. Um, oh, they are. Also, uh, highlight of this match, uh, Marshall, you should probably read Misk. <laughs> <laughs> Please gamma my cards under Misk. Please gamma my dinosaurs under Misk. Love you, Marshall. Um, 
So this was incredible. Obviously, watching Lucas beat Naibo is huge. Lucas has never played Naibo before, and neither have I. So this is a really incredible uh, first experience. And he's a really good duelist and quite humble as well. He's just like, oh, yeah, that's how it goes. Um, so here we are. We are end of Swiss. Our team is undefeated. So we are first place in standings, uh, going on to versing fourth place in standings. Uh, so we were against Team Pot. Um, so this consisted of Scott Beardsley, uh, Delhi, and... James Hamill. James Hamill. So this was uh, Invoke Shadow, Dinosaurs, and Prank Kids. So unfortunately, it wasn't a Prank Kids mirror. I was versing Scott on Invoke Shadow. Lucas was versing Prank Kids, which was James Hamill. And then you went against Delhi. Um, really funny pregame. They, Delhi didn't know what you were playing, but the other two people did. And just for some reason, didn't tell him. And it got to like two minutes before time was starting. And they went, this with combo. And he was like, oh, okay. I was like, you'd know the whole day. Part of 3v3 experience is you see we have to go up against. <laughs> yeah, they weren't really playing as a team. They were just three good players. Absolutely. Um, so my match against Scott Beardsley, I was bricking it, uh, obviously. I was really concerned uh, because prank kids uh, do very much lose to Winda. Um, so I win die roll and I th- my board just gets broken. Like he has the he has the ability to stop me. Oh no, game one I actually, no, game one I won. Because, no, game one I totally won. Because he just couldn't stop. I just had every single answer. And then when I went to fusion summon on his turn after he searched invocation, I chained my pandemonium and he chained an El Shadol fusion. Because I was like, oh, you're just, I was like, and assuming he's going to go into Winda. But then I flipped my set Tickaboo, which while he had an Alistair on field, meant he had to go into a construct. Um, and the brilliant thing about Meltdown is it is a win clause. So the last thing that happened in that chain link was my fusion summon. So I could activate my effects and respond, <laughs> which is lovely. Uh, so I took game one because uh, he also didn't read Butler and didn't realize it could blow up twice per turn, which is the whole point of the deck. Uh, game two, I lose to Winder. Uh, that's an absolute fact. And I, I, dr- I drunk that pickle juice and I just knew it. Um, game three was pretty uh, pivotal. Um, obviously, prank kids are pretty notorious on leaving a uh, extra monster, monster summon from the extra deck on board. Um, so it was really tough to determine uh, whether or not to go to Butler and lose to a Shadol fusion, or go to um, or go to a Washer and prevent the damage. Uh, three cards. He had three cards in hand, and it was on the it was on the assumption that he was a good invoked player and drew invocation after I ashed it. He did, and I just lost a damage, which was a shame. He had two Alistars in hand, which just managed to pump his Purgatorio enough over damage. And uh, I just... I believe it was only one Alistar, but he had a droplet for your attack position washer that yes. just gave him lethal by, like, 200 damage. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Um, so I just lost that one, and that's fine. I understood that. Uh, your match against Delhi? Um, Dinosaur Mirror. Uh, I win die roll. I choose to go first. I put up full board. He... I believe he bricked, but he just looks at my board and just scoops it up. Game two, uh, I kind of know he was on the like glue build with Mystic Mine and Dark Ruler and Lightning Storms and a lot. So just put in like my ashes and all of my hand traps that are good. And I just full combo once again. Uh, this time he opens Dark Ruler, Mystic Mine. And I'm just thinking, well... This is going to be a game. 
and he proceeds to normal summon an OV Raptor, which was probably a mistake. Should have just waited to be able to OTK me. And he just starts slowly attacking my monsters until I had two Aurorodon tokens, a Conductor, and an Aurorodon left on my field uh, on my turn. And I top deck another Conductor. So him with a OV Raptor on board, let me uh, link down all my monsters until I only had access code with 5300 attack, destroy the Mystic Mine, Summon back another, uh, summon the conductor out. Uh, that brings back giant Rex that was banished, and that just gives me game. So mm. I kind of felt bad for him that he didn't really get to play dinosaurs. Oh, I mean, it's a really interesting mirror. I think the dinosaur mirror is quite impactful because uh, obviously you are giving each player resources, but also yourself at the same time. Like Lost World tokens are very interesting in a dinosaur mirror. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to attest to that. And as well as, like, uh, the inability to, you know, because dinosaurs aren't really known for doing much during the battle phase. That's kind of their biggest, you know, that's kind of what makes them a bit more susceptible to things like back row. Um, and I think, you know, being able to do everything under a miscellaneousaurus and then start making sure that you do things so that your opponent doesn't then chain a miscellaneousaurus or they have to preemptively chain it so you can respond to it. Um, it's a really interesting scenario. Uh, obviously, the best thing in the Dinosaur Mirror, especially with your build, was just going to sit on a Herald um, because you cannot do anything in Dinosaur under Herald. Yeah, you can't uh, misc in the Herald. You you can Lost World Protect under a Herald, but the card's getting banished. And it's just almost an FTK. Your plan is to dedicate the battle phase to outing it uh, on the assumption that you don't conduct a flip their monster. And... The other cool thing, like, there's so much cool tech in Dinosaur Mirrors, like Oviraptor destroying any one of their level 4 low dinosaurs that's just still in the field to summon back anything from your graveyard is a really neat interaction. But sometimes it just doesn't come up. Mm. I can see that. And then Lucas was against Prank Kids. Obviously, I wasn't too worried about this matchup because this is all something we practiced. I was the Prank Kids player, so this was a matchup we played on. Um... This is, I think, really the one moment where an ending nightmare did show up. Uh, uh, yeah, that was during game two. Uh, game one, Lucas got Mystic Mind and he had no main deck outs because his Imperial Order got cosmic because he kind of shotgunned it too early. Uh, and then he had Lucas had used Desires already, so he was down on deck count and could not win in that way. And mm. just to save time and... He just scooped it up and went to the next game. Uh, there are main deck options to play around Absolutely. mine, even without outs in a trap heavy deck with Torrential and Strike. You can always Torrential your own board or Strike a Link Summon. But most of his engine was banished by Desires, and he was also under uh, There Can Only Be One, so he had very limited options on what he could do. So, soon enough for time was just the best option. Uh, game two, anything that I'm. In a similar situation, I think there was a Tikaboo and a Mystic Mind, but he drew the Unending Nightmare and it just wiped it. Uh, yeah, there's no coming back when your opponent's got seven, when the Tribal Guy player's got eight cards in hand and you as a Prankets player have nothing. Nothing. And you lose to Charegs at that point because you can able to set up Charegs that can interact with the summons of your Prankids monsters. Uh, and banishing Prankids cards is way more impactful than putting them in grave. So I think oh. that was, that's a huge thing there. Um, so yeah, Lucas managed to take that one. It was a really tight game three, I will say. Um, and then I obviously lost the match and then you took it to Delhi. So we're moving on to the finals. 
Um, yeah. And this was really cool because this was the only South Island team. Yeah, the, the team from Nelson. Uh, Liam Gill's only friends. Team Liam Gill's only friends. Um, so this consisted of Aiden Wells, Liam Gill, and I think it's Joe McDonald. I, yes, I, I believe so. I, be- I believe so. A lovely group of guys. Uh, obviously, they made the trick up here. And I think, to be honest, I expected more South Island teams. Yeah, I feel like the Christchurch or the Needham teams just dropped out last second or just didn't want to make another trek up north yeah i know that also uh, this we didn't mention this earlier but on the same weekend there was a very large flesh and blood event so that i definitely consider would have taken some of the players that you know do cross you know do cross play play across uh games um but yeah i was really interested to see that the nelson team made all the way obviously awesome for them they'd made it to the final so it'd been worth their time um so we had this consisted like i said of the three nelson people so we had liam gill on abc uh joe on invoke shadol and aiden was on dogmatica artifact dinosaur um so this is obviously abc we know invoke shadol we know um but dad as i was calling it dad um this was interesting because this is something we'd actually played around with playing sulfur chord and your uh, amazing trifonoski recognized list was the combo with uh, dagda scythe uh how do you feel like that is during this current meta uh so it's really good against decks that don't play back row and are reliant on the extra deck. So pretty much one of the worst matchups for the deck is definitely Tri Brigade. The other worst matchup is Dinosaur because Dinosaur Conductor is quite ignorant. Uh, so the engine itself is really good. Just being able to pull out a scythe consistently is really strong in the current format. But it's unlucky that they face the worst matchup in Tri Brigade. Well, yeah, and this is, you know, why Dinosaur aren't too much of a concern. Because, especially when you have a back row deck like Tri Brigade, you have the traps you can activate in battle phase. You, ha- you have things like Ice Dragon's Prisons. You have things like Revolt to just bring back your cards and then blow up the board in battle phase. So you can just actually protect your entire battle phase and don't die. Not to mention that Shrek will float. Um, so my matchup against Liam Gill, bless. I love you, Liam Gill. Uh, this man bricked so hard both games. Uh, and he attempted to ice dragons when I went to activate an access code effect. And that's when you can't respond. He went next game. And then game two, I went, I don't really know how to play against ABC. And Dino goes, just make sure you can have a Lancer in there because that's probably the most impactful hand trap that's a good against it. And uh, he set three back row and summoned Assault Core. And I went, okay. Didn't activate the Lancer. I mean, I don't think I need to. Uh, had my normal, had my first effect called, had the fusion to extend, got to chicken, got my fusion spell. And then I went, no, I didn't. I've searched place because I went, oh, I need a name if I draw fusion spell because I had Desires. And Desires drew me Duster fusion spell. And I went, I'm just going to be getting rid of your back row. <laughs> and he just conceded. So that was probably the fastest match I played the entire day. Um, Lucas <laughs> was still playing by the time we'd finished. So how was your game against Joe? Uh, so I won the die roll. I don't remember what hand trap it was, but I had to end on a Dweller Pass. I think... This was like the one Lancia that resolved on me. So I just dwell a pass against Shadol Invoked. He did not manage to OTK me. Um, and then on my next turn, I had 
uh, dust a pill in my hand. So I just wiped his back row and pilled out his uh, window because he didn't have any monsters in hand. Oh, didn't have any spells in hand to negate any spells. And then we got into a top deck war where he was just looping his Alistair and I was just top decking like banger after banger until he missed one of his top decks and it was just a bad card and I top deck an Ovi while I had lost World in the Field and that just gets you there. Well, also, he made it quite a critical error. He You chain link to uh, Lost World and he, on resolution of, of that chain, summoned Winder, which is... Uh, that was the next game. That was in game two. Oh. So in game two, he goes first. He opens Called by the Grave. There can only be one. Magical Meltdown, Shadol Fusion, and... Uh, Rishadol Windy, which is uh, the god hand. Like, Stunning. You can't you can't open any better in that deck because he wasn't playing any dogmatic cards. You can't really open their servant. No. Uh, so he ends on Mechaba, uh, a set Hedgehog, a Gravity Control and Extra Monster Zone, two set cards uh, because I Lancia and he call buys me. Um, so... One set is Schism, which I know about, and the other set is Unknown. I assumed it was Punishment, because... You hadn't seen Dogma at that I haven't point. seen Dogma, and, like, you just run it in that deck. Uh, I opened quite all right. Uh, Lost World, Normal Summon... Activate Lost World, Normal Summon, Ovi. He let that go through. He let me give him a token, and then... He, on that resolution. On the resolution of me giving him the token, he activated Schism to summon Winder. I'm like, all right, I have one special summon. I look at my hand, there's a driver and a double evolution pill. And I'm like, cool, this works. Activate double evolution pill, banish uh, Misk and driver out of hand. He's like, yep, that's fine. Okay, I summon my conductor, it hits the field. On resolution, he... There can be only one He you. flips, there can only be one. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's get rid of this Oviraptor. Uh, I count up damage. Really really napkin mathy i'm like ah oh, this seems like enough and then i enter battle phase he just doesn't have any responses left he's got an alistair in hand and just a bunch of monsters on the field and i've conducted lost world and you can't use alistair under lost world because it's a token and alistair targets alistair does target so me beating over every single card he had did 8200 damage yeah that was just a, i think that was the probably the critical misplay there because i mean twice he had the opportunity just to really impact you twice um, because obviously Lost World is you special summoning, so the Winder then counts it and you can't keep playing, and then Evolution Pill has to summon a dinosaur, and so flipping there can be only one on a dinosaur on board, uh, it results without effect. Yeah, I was, I was expecting him to shizm on me giving him a token, uh, because with Lost World and him not being able to target the Winder, Overaptor just beats over the Winder, it's a hundred bigger. So then I would have just main phase two, wiped his whole board. Um, and then he had the there can be only one to prevent you from getting like more dinosaurs. And he yeah, like, and it was a failure to activate. Yeah. Really interesting. So you took that one. I took this. And so we finished our rounds and Leah and I, Lucas was on game two against Aiden. And you won game one? You won game uh, one? Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, back row wins. Um, I mean, I think I even looked over and I was like, I saw like Ice Dragons Torrential. I drew two Lancia. In my opening hand. Perfect. Lancia wins and game. And he drew Oviraptor. 
So, yeah. So, we beat the Nelson team. Uh, we are the 3v3 winners. Received some incredible uh, prize mats. Uh, these Legendary Duelist Magical Hero artworks, um, which were originally, I believe, they were YCS side event winner mats. Um, that's, to my knowledge, what they are. Um, and we each have a lovely amount of Lightning Overdrive to open when it arrives in the country. Um, what would you say your biggest takeaway was from the day, like out of all the matches? Um, Main Ash, you don't lose to Red Eyes? No. <laughs> I think that the biggest takeaway of the, deck is, uh, of the day was just know your own deck. Yeah. Because every almost every situation bar like some rare circumstances you can probably just play your way out of uh but against multiple opponents during the day they just scooped without like testing their limits mm. they just saw something they didn't like and just let's go next yeah i think uh, obviously it's a bit harder in a 3v3 situation but i think my my biggest learning was don't show you're playing game one like there was quite notably like, I think three games where I went first and lost, or, like, I was game one and I lost it, and I just didn't reveal to my opponent that I was on pranks. So, it also, classic time-honored play of just make them not know what to play against, which, as I said, is way harder in a 3v3 because people are just talking <laughs> and can see what you're playing. Um, but, yeah, there was, like, three instances where I just didn't reveal any single piece of engine, and so I would hope that it makes it harder to deal with, but uh, harder in a 3v3 circumstance, but a good learning lesson going forward. What would you say was your biggest takeaway, Lucas? I'll, I'll tag in. Yeah. Uh, tag me in. Yeah. Um, my biggest takeaway, I think, from the last two events I've played has been nothing to do with playing cards. It's been um, to stare down your opponent. <laughs> Dead ass. Because... Um, there were a couple of opponents, especially the Dino player in round two. He was cocky. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, he was just like, I just... He literally beat the person game one last round, and the guy left. Like, he didn't even finish the match. He just left. So, presumably, he got, like, destroyed. And so, I sit down with this guy, and he's, very, he's playing it real cool. And it's just kind of, like, not getting psyched out by that, right? Um, and I even psyched him out because game two, when I beat him, uh, I made him go first, which was very funny. Because I did it, and he's just like... Oh, come on. <laughs> he, like, drew nothing that was good. I think he said, like, that was the turn he ended on, like, Dragoon, Dolka, UCT. But I was totally prepared. I drew Droplets, and uh, to Droplets send three and Tri-Brigade is not fair. So, yeah, um, stare down your opponent, and, like, if you can face it, like, you know, give them that, give them that really confident stance that, like, you're someone who doesn't lose. Um, and that really impacts the way that you play. Because if you sit down against someone and go, oh, I'm going to lose to Naibo because he's better than me, you know, you're going to... Um, allow yourself to make mistakes, I think, more seriously than if you think, no, 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 no. I'm better than him. I can beat him. Uh, and, you know, I found personally that, like, actually looking opponents in the eyes and and not just kind of, like, burying yourself in cards can also really help with that. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Works. It definitely does. <laughs> yeah, playing with confidence is so underrated confidence is key and i think in any competitive situation um you just have to know you like know you know your skills and know your limits um and i think yeah you're right just play it out and see what comes next because you don't learn anything from just scooping sure you might save time but that's not a learning experience i can pick up my cards pretty quickly i'm not speed i'm not trying to make the world limit or world record um so yeah 
successful event. Uh, what a great time. I definitely enjoyed this one. Um, there's obviously great news for us living in the EU or us governed by the Konami European. Um, they have uh, in, oh, in reintroduced organized play into, the, into Konami Europe. Uh, I know that Marshall uh, did mention that on the article there were specific like countries and times and dates or like dates for when it was going to be returning. Um, but what do you think this means going forward now that we actually have Konami on our side as opposed to, you know, the government on our side? <laughs> well, it's always great having the local OTS stores just getting more incentives for people to bring people in. Uh, like the back to duel mats were really popular we had hobbies that doubled normal numbers some even tripled normal numbers just to win a mat and the incentive of turn up every week or else you're not going to be in the running just really motivate people to play and play well like every we got to the point where every single hobby almost felt like a small regional for us well because it does feel like that like i would what would you say like regionals average out at like 40 people yeah, for, for us in New Zealand, it's a 40-person regional is a good regional. Uh, a common... In, like, a unloved format, you could get a 20-person regional, and it would be quite disappointing. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, like, a lot of people... I mean, I've talked to heaps of people, like, working at a card store. Um, I've spoken to many players that have gone, oh, there's nothing competitive, I'm not playing. So, it's a huge disincentive for people to... You know, only me as a retail person, byproduct, but also you don't see these people, you fall out of favor in testing, you lose touch of what's meta, you, you know, spend more time reading cards and trying to catch up as opposed to what uh, myself, Dino and Lucas do, which is just keep a pulse on what's meta. Um, obviously, uh, Lucas is probably, I'd say, playing the newest deck out of all three. Um, but it's really important to understand the goings on and uh, make sure that you are up to date because... Uh, knowledge is literally power in this game and you actually it's it's like nearly impossible to play without knowing what's going on <laughs> yeah 100 percent. as someone that plays primarily rogue and primarily like niche combo decks it is so nice knowing that my opponent's gonna have a singular game plan and my deck beats it yeah every time so yeah, I really hope we do see the return of regionals. I do hope we see the return of, I mean, hopefully invites, uh, you know, Oceanic Championships, uh, North Island, South Island Championships, something that can be a bit more off, like official, because um, it's the best environment ever. Like I said, we saw a Flesh and Blood event this weekend and there was a turnout of over 250 people. And I can't wait to see that happen shortly. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening. Uh, obviously, really nice recap. Uh, awesome to have you on again, Dino, as always. Great conversation, great commentary. Uh, my pleasure to be here. It's a, it's a really hard walk up the road. Um, <laughs> but so we'll be back, hopefully, with another episode very shortly of The Face Downs. Uh, my name is Lucas. I've been hosting with... Ruben. <laughs> I wish. I wish my name's Lucas. Um, and I've been with uh, Dino here, and you have been listening to The, the Face Downs. Down.